Well, the Cincinnati Buckeyes, or I mean Bengals, are Super Bowl bound for the first time in 33 years, I think it is. Wow. 150,000 years. Well, the it's Buckeyes been take. Since <laughs> the last ice age. The Buckeyes take the Bengals to the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about that. We'll talk about Buckeye basketball. We're going to talk about the uh, ongoing staff moves, getting the, the football Buckeyes ready for going back to their own playoffs. And maybe we'll check in on Harbaugh watch day 30-some. All that and more in this episode of the Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with Johnny Genner, whose dulcet turn tones you hold heard a moment ago. Johnny, you know, top of the page clearly is uh, talking about the huge, huge weekend of professional football and the only reason we'd spend so much time on it probably aside from the fact that it's the offseason for the Buckeye football team would be that holy smokes there were a lot of Buckeyes in those championship games and you and I had talked about a week ago that the previous week of playoff games was maybe the best weekend of playoff football in recent memory Uh, and man did that continue with those games uh, the championship games last Sunday, uh, wild, wild games. And, and you being down there, uh, so close to the Buckeye, uh, the Bengal home turf for all those many years growing mm. up. Uh, how, how did you uh, feel about that Buckeye victory over the Buckeye fueled victory over, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas city chiefs? Well, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you're just kind of like looking around and expecting a car to hit you, you know, when you go outside, it's, it's not, doesn't really feel like it's something that should happen in a, a normal or just universe. Like there, there's some kind of, I guess one way that as a Bengals fan, you could maybe justify or understand how crappy the Bengals were for so long is that there had to have been some like universal content that had to satisfy, you know what I mean? That, that the Bengals have to be bad because if the Bengals aren't bad, then something will break fundamentally with the universe. And now that there's a Super Bowl. I am a little concerned with, I don't know, like a black hole opening up in the core of the planet or <laughs> I don't know, like a neutrino hitting a Higgs boss. I don't know, whatever. But the point is, is that I just don't believe that this should be possible by the fundamental laws of the universe. And it seems very odd, but I do like the fact that if it, it is going to happen and we aren't going to all be consumed by something horrific because of it, that it was largely in part to Ohio State players, people who attended Ohio State. I mean, again, you know, Joe Burrow, people want to say that's a stretch. That's fine. See, I um, was going to say that we, we were going to claim him whole, anyway. I don't that, care. I, I, you know, I was going to say we were going to talk about everybody but Joey B because, you know, last week you shared, <laughs> and I'm going to poke the bear. Last week uh, yeah. you shared on the site a, a little throwback because you've mentioned several times that, you know, Joe Burrow is, uh, is uh, our guy because he appeared on the dubcast he back did. in the day. And uh, it was a great interview. I really enjoyed that little throwback. Uh, and people, and I have to assume they were Browns fans largely got pretty salty <laughs> in uh, the comment section of that little throwback piece uh people seem to uh, some people seem to be a little uh, miffed about the fact that ohio state fans are either claiming uh an ohio product and ohio state alumnus as their own and or they're just salty that he doesn't play for their team i'm not sure which yeah. but even if we set aside the quarterback of that team who uh, deserves a considerable amount of credit for getting his team back to the promised land. Mm -hmm. There's a truckload of Bengals who not only play on that team, but actually play really significant minutes 
and and made really significant plays on the field in that championship game. Von Bell, Sam Hubbard, two guys you can't overlook when saying, how did the Bengals upset the Chiefs? Well, I mean, Sam Hubbard especially is just, he's had a really great season. Um, he faded a little bit towards the end of the regular season, but two sacks, obviously that huge strip sack uh, of Mahomes was just, I, I mean, that honestly probably won the game right there. That was wild that he was able to accomplish that. Um, you know, we you people can, I think, rightly criticize Mahomes for the way he played, especially in the second half, because the guy was really going for hero ball. And I would say probably a little bit high on his own supply when it comes to trying to just make crazy things happen. But, you know, and, if and you have a really good defense, him, he's had a streak of being able to do that in the yeah, past. Exactly. So, right. Like, like I, I get sense. where it comes from. I get but it. He, but I get he, it. Did. But I mean, if, he just tried to do the whole thing. Right. And the thing is, is, if you're a defense, you've got to be able to make quarterbacks pay for playing that cavalier with fate. And that's that's what Ohio State players on the Bengals did. They they and again, I'm not you know, I'm not going to credit the entire defensive performance for the Cincinnati Bengals to Ohio State players. But a very large part of it came from guys who just played really, really well. Uh, both in Columbus and Cincinnati. So it was, it was cool to see. And I love the fact that Sam Hubbard is as big of an impact in Cincinnati as he is uh, just because, you know, I think he was really kind of overlooked in a lot of ways at Ohio state and not that he was, you know, unappreciated or disrespected. He just, he was never the marquee guy. And now he's showing that he can be that dude. So I think that's pretty cool to see. So another thing that I thought was really fun and good about all of this is Eli Apple, who talked an enormous amount of crap during the lead up to this game and continues to talk an enormous amount of crap in the, in the, you know, aftermath of this game had two really great plays and one horrible play. And that kind of seems to be the way things go. And then of course, you know, you got uh, Von Bell coming in doing his thing and, and getting an interception. I mean, there's just a lot of really, really great stuff that happened um, due to high state players. And yes, you do have a turnstile <laughs> at the offensive line position and in no small part to also an Ohio state player. Uh, but overall it's, it's good to see Ohio state Buckeyes contributing so much to a team that just won again, insanely a AFC championship. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty bonkers. So I appreciate it quite a bit and I'm excited to see what they do in two weeks. It's uh, it, it's going to be an exciting game. I, the matchup does not in any stretch of the imagination favor the Bengals. Uh, no, this God feels no, like true. a game that the Rams <laughs> should win running away. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate to be a wet blanket on on anyone's parade, and you know, and and frankly, you know, let's be honest. I think going into the season, people had nowhere near uh, expected that the Bengals would be in this position. You know, so so we're. We're playing with house money already. It seems like if you're a fan of that of that particular team, uh, so you know, just have fun with it and enjoy it for what it is. I personally, because I am a child of the '80s, was rooting for the 49ers because I just thought, you know what, it would just be beautiful for the Bengals and the 49ers to meet back up in the Super Bowl because that's the last time it happened. Uh, and and I remember well, you know, knowing knowing. And Boomer Esiason and Icky Woods were going to get the job done against the 49ers. And Joe Montana said, <laughs> not so fast, my friend. By the way, real just 
quick thing. I, I very rarely get emotional at all with sports. I mean, I aside from that, you know, the general anger and, and excitement. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Throw things but like, TV, but that's not emotion. That's yeah, yeah. But the actual like emotional component just kind of eludes me for the most part. I will say <laughs> seeing Joe Burrow dap up Icky Woods after that game and see and like Joe was just kind of, I mean, he basically was just thanking everybody and everybody hugs. And they saw Icky Woods and he was like, Icky! And then they like hugged. And I was like, oh my God, it's come full circle. And I was, yeah. I, I was, I was very, that, that was, that was a really great moment. I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. Very cool. It was very, very cool. Uh, so as we mentioned, Hubbard, huge day, finished the day with eight tackles, including two sacks and the tackle for loss. Uh, Von Bell, six tackles with that interception, critical interception. And uh, Eli Apple, as you mentioned, seven tackles. And one that was, uh, you know, pr- pretty important there on the final play before the half. So yeah, good, good, good showing for those guys. Yeah. Isaiah Prince, uh, not a great game. Uh, for him no but but he's not the only problem on that offensive line he's not they could they could start over from scratch there and probably not do any worse uh so on to other uh, nfl news of interest to ohio state fans you know tom brady uh who has never done very well against ohio state uh is retiring or not retiring from the game of football (laughs) maybe He, he was retiring and then he wasn't um kind of got to uh, kind of get a kick out of that it sounds like news leaked before he was ready to because hmm there's about a 15 million dollar bit of his signing bonus that's due to uh, roll over here this weekend is he is he really done and this was just a uh, bad bad leak out of his camp to the the press or or do you think there's a chance now that the spiteful bastard will come back another year just to uh, be a spiteful bastard oh maybe that would actually be really fun i'd have to give him credit for that if he actually did do that I would 1000% have to give him props for coming back just to mess with people. Um, I think he's probably going to retire, but yeah, it's, that would be funny. Uh, you know, and he's, he's the, the greatest to ever do it. I mean, that's really, there's yeah, no, the debate. Devil do. no, no, yeah, there's debate. no debate anymore. There used to be, and I used to get in some heated debates yeah. with guys maybe like 10, 12 years ago, but uh, no, <laughs> it's, it's done. It's over. He's the best quarterback to ever play football and that's not a debate there there's just i mean again and there are a lot of insanely amazingly great quarterbacks right who have played over the years i mean think about joe montana and steve young and dan marino and blah blah blah. you can go on and on and on and on on. but it doesn't matter because tom brady's the answer and the thing is i don't think i ever really enjoyed watching tom brady play and and what i mean by that is i I don't think his style of being like his quarterback play was ever particularly engaging or interesting um but he just gets results and you know you watch this guy in the playoffs and you it, it you felt like he could play another you know four or five years if he felt like it yeah um so i still think he's done just from the comments that he was making i think he's just kind of burnt out and i also have heard and read some things about how the atmosphere where he's at is maybe not so great in the locker room and all that kind of stuff but um man what a what a run for that guy just unbelievable to watch speaking of michigan men going back to the nfl michigan's defensive coordinator mike mcdonald announced this week he's going to Baltimore, going to the Ravens after just a year in Ann Arbor, which, you know, when I saw that headline, uh, it kind of upped my, you and I have been having this ongoing discussion 
uh, all off season long here. If, if Jim Harbaugh was long for Ann Arbor, or if he was going to go out on the high note of beating Ohio state and go back to the NFL for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the same or better money and, and less headache in terms of personnel management and, and so on, you, you know, to me, losing your defensive coordinator to your brother's team, uh, you know, maybe is one of those things that feels like foreshadowing here. Uh, John U. Bacon, who I heard someone reference, uh, maybe it was you as a hard bro, uh, in his ongoing, nobody knows anything but, uh, you know, adding here, uh, Harbaugh watch, he says, um, Michigan's offer isn't the issue that Michigan basically, it sounds like, is ready to go to the mattresses here dollar for dollar. But the Minnesota Vikings interviewed Harbaugh Saturday. Yep. Um, if Minnesota offers, Miami would counter. And it's important to note that Miami's owner is, uh, is a Michigan man himself. And, and Bacon, who started this, is saying Harbaugh's odds were heavily tilted, like I think maybe 90-10 of, of Harbaugh staying in Ann Arbor. And it's, and it's slowly inched back toward – now, you said 50-50 from the get-go, so credit to you there, Mr. Crystal Ball. Well, um, but Harbaugh, I said 50-50, but I did agree with – I thought it would lean towards uh, him staying until, honestly, the kind of the events – uh, of the past few days here I, I did not expect it to progress as quickly as it did with um the vikings in miami honestly the miami thing is interesting to me because miami's um what's the owner's name ross uh i think something ross anyway you know he came out and said he was not going to be the guy right yeah he, he went out and said no way man i'm not going to screw this up for michigan and now all of a sudden you know it, miami's in the mix I, and, and I could give him credit if I'm ever going to give a Michigan man credit. If Harbaugh says to him, look, Holmes, I'm leaving regardless to go to the NFL. I've got job offers here, here, and here. You want in or out? Then, you know, if, if he's the guy you want, then you make the offer. You know, like I, right. you, yeah, people are going to eviscerate him in social media for that, but who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't give a crap. He's a billionaire. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. He's not. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're like, oh, God, people mean tweets. I don't know. I don't know about this. Like, they don't give a crap. If you own a professional sports franchise, you should not give three iotas what anyone on social media says about your hiring decisions. Right. Uh, so, I, you know, personally, I am of the mind that old boy is going to get out of Dodge while the getting's good because looking at his cupboard in terms of the talent that's there, he's not going to have the veteran team that he had this year. He's going to be down a defensive coordinator, uh, Josh Gaddis too, maybe, uh, you know, who knows, or how many of these guys are going to be around? Are they going to go and parlay that win over Ohio state into more money somewhere else? And I, I just, what are you coming back for? Like, are you coming back to win the big 10? Are you coming back to when you try to get into the playoff? Cause you didn't have such a great time in the playoff this year. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I just don't look when they say who's got it better than us. Well, it ain't going to be next year. You know, <laughs> you, next year's Michigan is not going to be better than this year's Michigan. I don't, in my opinion. I mean, do you want to be the guy? I mean, Ohio state's going to come back. <laughs> like a freight train on Michigan. They are going to be, the, the thing is, and this has been really the consistent theme for Ohio state football in general. If they have a reason to be mad at something there's the other team's screwed. Like they are absolutely screwed. And you know, Ohio state typically because they're so good and they have so much success that it doesn't happen very often, but when it does something, just bad things tend to happen to their opposing team so i man i do not want to be michigan against ohio state in 2022 especially with what they're losing on defense i yeah like i can understand 
why a guy like Harbaugh might see the writing on the wall and go, you know what? That's not going to be a fun year for, no. for Michigan football. Um, and not, not that that would be his only consideration or that he would, you know, be kept up at night wondering about what Ryan day is going to score on him. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's the case, but I think in a general sense, he understands that this was maybe as good as it gets. Yep. And now Michigan's got a gigantic bullseye on their back. And that's so, and if, look, if your program can handle that, that's fine. I mean, Ohio state's been that way. Ohio state's been dealing with that for the past two decades, basically. Yeah, right. Uh, but they've had the institutional ability to handle that. I don't know that Michigan does. And I think Harbaugh for all his weirdness is smart enough to understand that. Um, now he may be confident enough to go, you know what, we'll, we'll figure this out, but they just lost their defensive coordinator, right? Like it's, <laughs> they've got a lot that they have to deal with in the off season. And I would not be surprised or shocked if the guy was thinking eh, maybe Miami's a little more fun right now than uh, Ann Arbor. I don't know. Let's find out. So yeah, we'll see it, how that goes. You know, having, having lived in the Midwest all my life, the, uh, allure of South Florida weather, <laughs> you know, is yeah. uh, <laughs> the older I get, the more I can see why snowbirds are a thing. So somebody was right. willing to pay me tens of millions of dollars to come and live in Miami. I think I could do that. <laughs> you know, no state Miami. Tax, I mean, you know? it's yeah, you know. right, right. I'd be thinking about taking my talents to South Beach to borrow a phrase. Harbaugh is fifty-eight years old, you know. So you look and say, yeah, how many more? He could be coaching another 10, 15 years, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Do you want to do that at the college level and have to be going around? I, I still come back to if you're an NFL guy, and I think it's fair to say Jim Harbaugh is an NFL guy. If yeah. you're an NFL guy, do you really want to be running around powdering the entitled little bottoms of 16, 17, 18 through 22 and three-year-old elite level athletes? You know, these right. are these are kids who largely have been told. All their lives, they are so talented. And I'm not being critical here of the kids. Don't don't take this the wrong way, but I'm putting myself in the boots of a nearly 60 year old. Oh no, I get what you're man. saying, especially if you see the game changing as much as it has. Oh my God. I mean, you might I, be salty about it. You know, and it doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be salty. Like I I, I could 100 say I am totally in favor of nil. I am totally in favor of the the loose transfer portal situation now, basically free agency. You know, I, I could totally be on board with that. And at the same time being of the mind that says I'm too old for this shit and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and not want to deal with it and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, they're going to give me $10 million a year to coach the Miami dolphins. Heck yeah. You know, yeah. you're going to give me $10 million a year to coach the Minnesota. Vikings. Heck yeah. Yeah. Let's go do that instead. And there's a general manager has to deal with this crap. Right. Exactly. I just got to show up and coach football. Right. Not that that's easy. You know, you know, I'm not, I don't want to undersell. No, 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 but I, to but no, I totally understand what you're saying, period. but I'm like, if I'm down to the last 10 years of my career, potentially Harbaugh doesn't need the money, you know? So it's not, it's not just a money thing. Right. It's, it's a, it's how do I want to spend my days? And I just, I think if I was a guy now, it's one thing, if you're, let's say you're an urban Meyer type that all you'd ever done was coaching in the collegiate ranks, mm -hmm. you know, then that's a different calculus because you're, you're in that. Or, yeah, well, or maybe a certain some of these set, guys like, get off on that, right? Like they yeah. love the, the, this stalking blue chip five-star type talents is that's fulfilling. Right. I just, but if I was an NFL guy, like a Harbaugh, I think I'd be like, mm, you know, eh. 
thanks <laughs> yeah i mean well and especially if they're going to be throwing the kind of money at them like that you know it, it seems like they are i mean i get it it's it's definitely it's a different kind of thing and i do think there's a different mentality between college coaches and nfl coaches just in terms of you know their how they view their jobs you know what i mean like a lot of college coaches i think view themselves more as teachers as educators yeah and and that's not you know i'm not saying that nfl coaches don't want to do that but i i think nfl coaches maybe view themselves more as specialists as guys who have they've created something there i don't want to say like they're artists or something like that but the idea that they have a system that they want to implement right like maybe they're an engineer right maybe they're they're somebody who have they've developed something they want to see it perform at the highest possible level college coaches are more i want to see what is the maximum level of skill and effort that i can get from teaching or coaching up a group of people. And, and those are two different things. Those are two different mentalities in terms of coaching, because in the former, you kind of want professionals who already get it, right? Because if you want to have this system that you have perform at its highest possible level, you don't really want to have to spend the time teaching fundamentals and basics to people, right? All the time, like that, that's a waste of your time. But on the other hand, if, if you really get excited about, bringing in guys that you know can really perform to some next level potential and win some games and and look really great in doing so you know like chris olave for example then maybe you're more attracted to the college ranks and and that's the kind of coach that you are um and i always thought about this with regards to jim trestle jim trestle has a master's degree in education does not surprise me that he has that because that's that's his approach. That was his approach to coaching. And I think that's the same for a lot of people who, you know, were, were college lifers. So um, like I said, I think it's all kind of mentality and Harbaugh at heart, I think is a guy who likes to be that managerial dude who doesn't necessarily, I don't think he like dislikes coaching in the college ranks, but I think he is kind of the guy who is more interested in seeing, um, you know, what players and, and personnel can do at the very top level. And, and Michigan really hasn't had that for a very long time. And yep. maybe Harbaugh felt obligated towards his alma mater to perform as well as he could. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see how this will play out. I, at this point, like I said, I think it's much more likely that he goes back to the NFL than it was a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, I still think it's probably up in the air, at least a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Nothing that happens here will surprise me. If he stays, right. that won't actually surprise me. Um, it, it definitely feels like it could go either way. I've, I've just been of the mind from the get-go that this is a guy that uh, is is going to go back to the league. And this, to me, seems like the logical off-ramp for him going out on top. I don't think Michigan people would even be all that mad because, hey, you know what? He beat Ohio State for the first time in a lifetime, it feels like, for them. So uh, we're going to come back to Ohio State football in a minute. We've got a bevy of roster updates, and we'll talk about the new assistants uh, meeting the press for the first time. But we've got to talk about Buckeye basketball because it is basketball season. Ohio State, after after missing uh, the game of Nebraska, you and I had talked about that they needed to win two out of the three uh, in, in that three game stretch, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Purdue. And if they won two out of the three, that'd feel like a pretty successful run. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. our, our dear friend, the Rona, uh, kind of hosed them on that whole trip to Nebraska thing. That, that, that was a bummer. Cause that sure felt like, uh, uh, a win they were going to take and, and enjoy. And then they went to the barn and, uh, to, to, 
face Minnesota, a pretty game gopher squad, not not terrible. That one felt nip and tuck early on, and then Ohio State just got rolling. Um, right. Great, great win on the road. And then headed to Purdue to close out that trip. So talk about a tale of two halves. Uh, that game felt like a bloodletting early on for the Boilermakers, just whipping up on Ohio State. Uh, so walk, walk me through the roller coaster of emotions that you were <laughs> feeling watching Ohio State at Purdue, number four Purdue, what, what I think, you know, maybe the best team in the country. I don't think I had a roller coaster of emotions, but I definitely was, you know, vacillating between sh- should I just turn this off? Or just leave it on. Yeah, the I background. mean, it felt like that at one point, right? Like this is one of those games that you just know how the story is going to end, and it's going yeah, to end with the and it still ended badly, but it was interesting, I guess, at least in the way that it ended badly. Well, well, I uh, mean, in fairness to Ohio State, I mean, you know that they, they could have won that game, and you would not have said that for a goodly portion. No, of the I game. mean they fought back, and that's the look. For as much criticism as Holtman's teams get, and justifiably so, because they they have not performed super well in March and during tournament time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't quit. They don't quit. Holtman gets his guys in the right mental space where they will keep grinding and try to make something happen. And it worked against Duke earlier in the season because yes. that's essentially, but it didn't, you know, and it almost worked against Purdue at Purdue at a really hostile environment where yeah. they were down bad most of the game and they just they just came up a little bit short they've got the horses they've got guys that can score holtman is always going to have a good offense it's just are you going to get enough stops and you know purdue if you look at how they shot especially the three earlier on the game i mean it's kind of amazing that ohio state even got in the position that they did but you know (laughs) To a certain extent, you want Ohio State just to pull those games out, right? Like that, if that's what you aspire as an Ohio State basketball team to be the best of the Big Ten, right? The class of the Big Ten, a top five, top 10 national program, those are games you want to pull out and win. But it's still heartening to see, you know, like I said, that a team that just has a level of give a damn where they don't care if they're down by 17 or 18, they're going to try to get back in the game. And I respect that as frustrating as it is to see a lot of the stuff that happens with the team, um, some of their deficiencies, I still respect the hell out of the fact that they just Holtman has gotten to the point where they just will not quit. And that's cool to see. It sucks. The loss sucks, but I, I still enjoy watching Ohio state basketball because of that, because I don't expect them to just like lie down and take a loss. Um, and that's, it, it does count for something. And, and look, like you said, you know, you were talking about the stretch, uh, we had pretty much penciled in Purdue as a loss anyway. Right. So right. I, I'm not crying about the fact that it's not, um, you know, not a, a solid victory or decisive victory for Ohio state. It, it, it should have been better. I think they had the opportunity to pull it off, but, uh, the fact that they didn't, doesn't make me upset or angry or anything about how this past month has gone. Yeah, it's kind of wild, you know. Purdue out outscored Ohio State thirty nine to nine thirty nine to thirty in the first half. Ohio State came back and outscored Purdue forty eight to forty two in the second. And it was that last second. I mean, literally the last second. Jaden Ivey drains the three pointer mm-hmm. to get the victory. You know, he's yeah. He, I mean, talking off about balance. Team, you know, like crap. They 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 defended it so well. You know what yeah, I mean? They really <laughs> there was did. Nothing better that they could have done. And he just, the guy is an otherworldly player. And yeah, 
what can you do? You know what I mean? Like there's just nothing you can do about that. Yeah. Neither team shot particularly well. Ohio state 48, 46% on the day, Purdue 48%. So, you know, the big, big, big difference was from distance. Ohio state continues to struggle from behind the arc shooting just 31% while Purdue was shooting 47% from downtown. So, you know, clearly the difference there, Ohio state did really well from the free throw line, actually shooting, nearly 79%. Um, turnovers weren't too bad. You know, we talked early in the season, Ohio State shot itself uh, in the foot quite a lot with turnovers. Um, yeah. You know, did okay on the boards, uh, bench points. You know, in a lot of ways, the stats were fairly comparable between the two teams. Uh, block, steals, assists, but, but it was that the three-point shooting difference, uh, that that was the story of the game for me. Um, so, you know, looking, looking at what lies ahead, you know, we've been talking about the dreaded January slump. January's over. January is over and Ohio State actually did pretty well in the month of January, all things considered, winning five of eight. Um, so, you know, that's not bad. Now, the flip side of that, if you want to be glasses half empty, uh, they didn't win any of their games against top uh, 25 teams, losing to right. Wisconsin and Purdue. And, and then, of course, you had the loss to Indiana on the road as well. Uh, Ohio State still protecting home court really well so kudos to them for that in addition to what you were saying about being a team that just refuses to lay down and die what lies ahead in february you know february actually feels like a a, a manageable schedule here early um you've got iowa and maryland both at home and then on the road at rutgers and michigan michigan hasn't been great um playing that game out in michigan should be more interesting welcoming mm -hmm. then minnesota and indiana for the other half of of those series the the one that will be really intriguing will be toward the end of the month uh going on the road to illinois so that that'll, that'll be, be wild yeah 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 and then on the road at maryland not you know again maryland's not not scrapping to win the the league this year but that's always um you know a tough team so kind of a kind of an interesting february i they've avoided the january slump what can they you know where can they go um yeah, I, I mean, I still see a lot of upside potential in this team. It's just can they come together here down the stretch and make March more interesting than it has been? Right. Well, and when you've got a guy like EJ Liddell, it, there's just <laughs> he's really good. And you get some other contributions from other players. I mean, Kyle Young had some really great plays in that game. I mean, the steal that he had towards the, I was like, I can't believe Kyle Young's making plays like this. Uh, you can get that. You can beat pretty much anybody um you just have to have some consistency and that's that's the big thing there are only a couple games back in the big 10 which is kind of interesting yep. um you know wisconsin and illinois both at eight and two in the conference michigan state seven and two Purdue seven and three ohio state six and three so you know there's the, there's definitely room to move up there closer to tournament time uh and and maybe get a more favorable seed going into the tournament we'll see uh so we'll we'll keep and and we're gonna we're gonna get chris louder back on the on the program here to break down this team as we get closer to tournament season before we close out the show with some more football news i want to go through and talk about some roster updates um let's do ask us anything a good time to remind you that ask us anything is brought to you by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com a, a veritable plethora of things for the discerning buckeye fan there at drygoods.11warriors.com shop early shop often and be a better better fan for it. All right, my friend, what's in the mailbag this week? So I want to remind you that you can send questions to the Dubcast for or for Ask Us Anything to Dubcast at 11warriors.com. And this one's from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, so should Jim Harbaugh leave that team up north? Who is the best, quote unquote, best, most hilarious person to replace him? I think 
Mike Hart would be the funny, like in terms of realistic options, that would be the funniest to me because I think, and maybe it turns out to be some kind of like crazy football savant and that works out really well for them. But I, I really think that Michigan and a lurch without, I don't, I mean, maybe Gaddis, I haven't, I don't, I don't know what his status is right now, actually, but um, maybe Michigan in a lurch panics and decides to bump up the running game guy, the, the running backs coach to uh, to head coach, just because he's the quintessential Michigan man. That would be an incredibly on brand move for them. And I would laugh a lot. I think that would be very, very funny. So I, I kind of hope it happens. The one I've long, long, long hoped for, uh, well, it, it's not going to happen because of uh, the controversial end to his tenure at Kansas. But I, I long hoped for Les Miles to come to come oh, I you're to, Mark to Michigan. Well, <laughs> okay, that might be comical for an entirely different set of reasons. Uh, but I, I, there was a there was a long period of time where I was like, God, can they please get Mike Leach and Les Miles both in the Big Ten? Because you know, there's so many boring characters in the Big Ten. You know, it's like how entertaining is Kirk Ferentz really? You know, how many? I love Fitz at Northwestern, but he's never going to say anything super controversial, right? No. So you know, get get Les Miles up here talking about like Indigenous Peoples Day, uh, and <laughs> like there's there, there's some quality that, that press conferences all about. I didn't know. That. No, he got on. Uh, the, the one of his famous press conferences was talking about Columbus Day, oh, uh, I see. and and it was this whole long thing about you know so if you're an Italian or somebody who likes Italian foods or likes I mean it's this big long okay it's hilarious he used to when he was at LSU he had several you can find them on YouTube but there were several Les Miles press conferences where he would get on about like oh it's Arbor Day and there would be some. Hmm extended soliloquy about the importance of Arbor Day and they were always hilarious he's not quite like Joey Freshwater levels of entertaining <laughs> you know it's more like like dad jokes level of entertaining but right um I it's not going to happen because of of how uh the, his tenure at Kansas ended but that right. was one the Big that Ten I had definitely long. needs a dedicated troll we don't do. really have that yeah. right now yeah I, I mean like, it, even with Bieloma in the conference it felt like you didn't really get that He's. I mean, like, he didn't do anything this year. Like, he, this is no, guy one of the biggest douchebags in the sport, and we didn't get anything. No, I, that's you know, and and this. Well, he he like crapped all over his team for like a half yeah. second, I guess, and then walked yeah. it back. But no, yeah, they gotta love the walk back. Yeah, uh, this this since we mentioned Illinois, or since you you mentioned Burton, that made me think of Illinois. Uh, some discussion this week, and this is, I guess, teetering back into news instead of ask us anything, but there was some discussion about the Big Ten finally going away from divisions and maybe doing away with the, the All right, yeah. conference schedule, to, to which I say, and, and I hope that you will, will take up the sword here, uh, <laughs> Ohio State needs to have Illinois as one of its protected uh, games every single year. Bring oh, back yeah. the yellow buck. It is the greatest tro- trophy game in the history of collegiate trophy games. And the fact that we're only playing it once every four years now is like a national tragedy. Yeah, no, that's stupid. First of all, the Big Ten, the best thing about the Big Ten in general is the fact that it has so many insane, ridiculous trophy games. And they're all great. They're all bad and dumb. But Buck is a great example of (laughs) a solution to a problem that didn't need to really be solved. Like Illinois and Ohio State have people always think that Michigan, Ohio State's their longest, you know, biggest, most important historically rivalry. And it is, but it's not its longest, actually, because Illinois and Ohio State have played each other in football more than uh, Ohio State and Michigan have played. 
And yes, Ellabuck was originally a real turtle uh, that then subsequently died very quickly after they decided to make it the trophy because the idea was like, oh, let's make it, let's get an animal that'll live forever. And then it'll just like stay alive for the duration of the, uh, of the rivalry, which by the way is a fantastic idea. Like that's a great idea, but they treated it so poorly that it just up and died. It was like, ah, no, no, sorry. This is terrible, terrible idea. The <laughs> turtle just offed itself or something. But I, I love that. Like it was chosen because they thought the turtle would basically live yeah. forever. So they yeah, might like, as well just chosen a rat because it died after like <laughs> two years. Like who did this and honestly, coming? This is like the 1920s. So I'm sure that the turtle was probably being like thrown around like a baseball and like you know he's like living in some frat house yeah yeah i'm sure they like stuffed it under a couch when it wasn't you know being a trophy (laughs) somebody's using it for you know like a a, a coffee table or yeah yeah i'm sure there's 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 some like flasks sitting here on this thing you know right and so they replaced it with a piece of wood and what the best part is not only did they replace it with a giant hunk of wood but the (laughs) the wooden turtles can only hold so many you know scores so they've had multiple like they've had a ton of these things so they yeah, just keep producing. yeah and it's very silly and it's goofy and it's fun and that's i agree with you i don't understand why they wouldn't continue that because it's a perfect encapsulation of everything that makes the big Ten great and i would also add that you know the greatest jt barrett series of photos ever comes from his final i think it was senior senior day i think it was his senior year his final home game at ohio state in the driving rain after they win illabuck and he he just he looks like an ancient mariner he looks like a guy from a a hemingway novel coming from the sea holding this wooden turtle over his head because he's got his beard and he just and he's wearing like a windbreaker and he's like i have conquered i've conquered the wooden turtle it is mine and he's holding it up and it's just it's pretty fantastic so yeah yeah every year i i interrupted the uh ask us anything flow i don't care that's worth it (laughs) fine tune back to our regularly scheduled program already in progress yeah no that's part that's that is what are you talking about that's all i want to talk about (laughs) i don't care about the rest of ask us anything um we do have a another kind of comment question statement from from brian fantastic uh person and listener on the show basically let's talk about damon arnett i don't actually want to talk about damon arnett that much um i i think it's it's a sad kind of thing that's happened and and some people i was even listening to the radio kind of making jokes about it. i'm like uh i don't really want to make jokes about a dude in jail who like there's some like clearly pretty pretty bad stuff going on um but you know i i will say as a larger issue you know, we've kind of followed this with various Ohio state players over the years. And when you have an organization that's got hundreds of people in it at any given time and they rotate, you know, every four to five years, you're going to get, you know, some incidents like this. But the, the only thing I would say about this particular thing is that, you know, when someone's in college, it's, it's really hard to project what their life is going to be in the next, you know, five to 10 years, even. Um, so I, I guess that's, maybe it's important for us as fans to kind of like not try to judge players one way or the other as human beings so quickly, because we really don't know anything about them. And, and maybe just, you know, let time play out a little bit when it comes to who we choose to root for and, and things like that either way. Right. Again, don't give, don't give some players too much crap 
or they may not necessarily deserve it. Maybe don't give too much players too much credit when we don't know too much about them quite yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, the other piece of this too is you've seen this before. I mean, circumstances matter quite a lot, right? So you're taking somebody who's in their early twenties, you're dropping. Yeah. Now, you know, if you're, if you're a high draft pick, maybe tens of millions of dollars in their lap, uh, they may or may not have the support system around them to manage that and where they land. Like, you know, there's a big difference, but we could be talking about Arch Leister ending up at the Colts, right? Like if Arch Leister landed anywhere else now, now he had enough of a problem. He was going to create a problem for himself anywhere. Yes. Like, you know, you're, you're taking a guy who has a huge gambling addiction and putting him at the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, you know, so you're taking a guy like Damon Arnett, who maybe m- might have been inclined to find some creative ways to get in trouble and you're putting him in Sin City. But, you know, so there's there's just places maybe it's not ideal for um, a, a young, impressionable person who is a newly minted millionaire uh, to be without. And, and, and I don't know what the answer to that question is. These aren't kids anymore. Right. They're right. Uh, it, it, it's it's not. It's not the NFL's job. It's not the Raiders' job. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs' jobs for the nine days they had him on the roster to to, to babysit these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess sometimes it feels like it is because, you know, we, we expect so much out of these players and these teams and franchises and so on. Uh, but, you know, we could be talking about something as innocuous as Dwayne Haskins ending up uh, with the Redskins where, you know, he's surrounded by people from back home, so to speak. And, and you know, if he had started at Pittsburgh instead of, Washington, what do we be having a different conversation about Dwayne Haskins career? Right. You know, which, which is still playing out, right. He's still got time to write the ship. Um, but you know, for, for, to back up what you're saying, uh, there's just a lot that goes into these kids stories and, and for every Joe Burrow story, you know, there's bound to be a Damon Arnett type story. Right? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a tough business. Um, there are more busts than booms. It feels like just, and that's law of numbers, uh, at work. And, and that's, you know, that's life. Uh, I, I, I hope, um, you know, that you don't have many of these kind of stories and, uh, certainly as an Ohio state fan, you never like seeing one of your, one of your, um, team's former players in, in the news for multiple weapon and drugs charges. But mm-hmm. as Forrest said, it happens. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because obviously that's a really bad thing, but I, I'm, I just want to echo everything you said. It's, there's a, you know, but for the grace of God, go I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you really just don't know. And sometimes it just takes a bad situation or something bad to happen in someone's personal life. Like there's all kinds of factors that lead into that. And that's why I don't really love dunking on players that, you know, was, they do things like that. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not like crying for Damon Arnett or anything like that, but I'm just saying there's always circumstances that maybe we're not really privy to or understand fully. And because of that it's it just doesn't seem like it's the right judgment call to just say oh this guy's trash i have no idea i don't know what the situation is yeah we we don't so we we don't know these people in the real world exactly and that's and that's kind of what i'm getting at and maybe and you know again somebody could be really great and they just had bad circumstances sometimes people are just crappy people and and that's what they're going to do anyway but there's just no really way of knowing that and sometimes i think sports fools us into thinking that we do so anyway so that's ask us anything thank you for sending those in and uh, we'll uh, keep answering them as you send them all right let's talk about some roster moves ohio state uh had a had a bevy of uh announcements monday 
of who was staying and who was going. Ohio State cornerback Seven Banks moving on from the Buckeyes will not return in 2022. Remains to be seen if uh, he's going to try his hand at the professional ranks, if he's going to transfer. He's just going to say, peace out, homies, I'm done with football, but mm-hmm. he won't be on the roster uh, at any rate. On the other hand, defensive tackle Jerron Cage will be back for a sixth season with the Buckeyes. Deraja Mitchell will be back for his fifth season and linebacker Belaye Neoteote will return for a fifth college Buckeye season. Football season is second with the Buckeyes. So quite a few roster moves. I, I don't know that any of those were like huge surprises, um, but no. nice to get some clarity on on who was back and who was not. And some of those guys are going to be important pieces of the puzzle next year in Jim Nowell's new system, you would think. Yeah, well, and especially, I mean, again, it's all about defense and figuring out who's going to play where and, and who are his guys and all that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, I don't, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't know that any of those guys were game breakers, you know, that, that you're like, okay, well now we've got a defense, but it'll still be interesting. As I've said to, to parse his kind of approach to this and, and who's going to end up being uh, the people that he really focuses on. And obviously some of that's going to be the guys that he's bringing in, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be too much of a, a shock if, if, a former player of his ends up, you know, having more of an impact than a guy who struggled to make the field. But um, I don't know. It'll it'll be good to see how it all plays out in the spring. I'm really excited for that. And for the first time since they were hired, all four of Ohio State's new assistants met with the media on Monday. Defensive coordinator Jim Nowles, uh, head safeties coach Perry Eliano, Tim Walton talking about returning to Columbus as an assistant after having been a player for the program. Justin Fry talked about his uh, vision for the offensive line. So uh, lots, lots to parse there. I don't know that we learned anything, you know, like earth shattering, but um, you know, the good, good things you, you know, those guys are in-house and uh, getting their feet under them. Ryan day also talked with the press and, and talked about that need for a fresh start on defense uh, and, and that's really, I mean, I think what it feels like that it's, it's a fresh start for the program in, in that regard. Um, I mean, it, it, it was a total house cleaning, but I, I get the sense that there's, there's quite a lot of optimism because the pieces are there for yeah. that defense to, if not be championship caliber in its own right, to at least support the championship caliber offense that Ryan day and his, um, associates have assembled. Right. Well, and you know, Ryan Day made no bones about it. Like this is this we're getting this done. It's happening. It had to happen. It's happening. And if it doesn't, then you know, well, I don't know what happens. <laughs> You're right, right, right. It's but that's the thing. Good. That's what's funny about it. Because I'm like, well, this doesn't work. I whatever. Ohio State just doesn't get to have a good defense ever again. How about that? That's it. Yeah. The end. Uh, shout out in wrestling news before we wind this hose up. Ohio State's. Um, uh, Captain America, Kyle Snyder became the first ever American to win three Ivan Uregan Grand Prix wrestling titles. If That's you right. He took follow... down Sajalaya. Finally, <laughs> he did it. Got the monkey off his back. Sadly enough, it was not the Russian tank that he beat in the oh, finals. Oh, okay. Then who cares? It, it, it was another Russian wrestler, Shamil Musayev. Uh, Snyder became the first ever wrestler from the, the U.S. to win three titles at the Uregan. And and this, the Uregan is often referred to as the world's toughest international wrestling tournament, and, and with mm. good reason. Um, and Russia, yeah. I mean, Russia is in, in, in large. Now, the, the Iranians would, would argue, and 
uh, that, that they have the best wrestling in the world. And then they have an argument, but generally speaking, you would say the toughest wrestlers in the world do come from, from Russia, uh, and have for quite some time. So Snyder became the youngest American to win the Oregon in 2017, the first American male to win two titles in 2018 and, and now added the third Oregon. So, uh, Snyder is, is training of course at the Nittany Lion wrestling club, which, which I don't love, but, uh, I think it's always good to celebrate his accomplishments because uh, he is another Ohio State alumnus who did extremely uh, impressive things here, including winning three NCAA titles, winning Olympic gold and, and a world gold medal uh, all during his time at Ohio State. So shout out to Captain America. Johnny, good show. Uh, I, I'd say the offseason rolls on. We'll have more basketball news to talk about next week. We'll continue watching offseason developments uh, around the football team as well. And we'll talk about wrestling because this time next week, we'll have some more Ohio State wrestling results to talk about as well. So until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.